This is the Build Our Future podcast. We shape our buildings, and afterwards our buildings shape us. A window into the past, present, and future of the construction industry. There's still a lot of unlocked doors. Clarity with design, craftsmanship with the build. There's still a lot to find out and do and invent. Collaboration for our future. You know, I don't think it's the end of the invention. The Build Our Future podcast with Raul Faria. Let's build. Begins now. Welcome to the Builder Future Podcast. Very happy today to have Rob Ellis. I first got in touch with Rob through LinkedIn of all places and uh, you know, loved what he was preaching in terms of my safe work, but with conversations and that back and forth. Uh, there are some really interesting other topics to discuss as well. But before we get into that, Rob, tell me a little bit more about yourself and your work with my safe work. Well, first of all, thanks a lot for having me uh, today, and, I, and I'm hoping that we, uh, we're going to be able to touch a few lives and maybe uh, challenge a few lives today. Uh, my safe work started about 20 years ago, and at that, t- that point in time, I was doing workout and turnarounds for a small company called Deloitte. I actually owned a company that I was able to turn around and was happy uh, making money, lots of money, and uh, knew, knew the business side uh, quite well. And I got a call early in the morning, about 10 o'clock, and my wife said, you need to get over the hospital really quick. Our 18-year-old son, David, been in a really bad accident, a workplace accident. So I was thrown from the, the world of business and, and making lots of money, knowing how to make money and into a world that I'd never never known before. I never anticipated. You just can't read this stuff in a textbook. You can't anticipate what lies ahead. I jumped in the car, went over to the hospital, I met the doctors. Uh, he took me down the uh, long corridor of the, of the hospital uh, and said, uh, you're, you're going to see stuff that you've never seen before. And I immediately uh, went from a courageous position to uh, one of shaking and I'm wondering what, what I, I was going to see next. My son was lying in a bed, blood all over the place, walls and floors. It was uh, just an unbelievable mess. And uh, he was just uh, gasping for air and hoping that he could uh, you know, make it to the next minute of his life. Doctors told us to get out of the uh, hospital really quick. They were going to transport my son uh, to uh, Sunnybrook Hospital in Toronto uh, by helicopter. Six days later, my son passed away. And since that time, I uh, have really desperately missed my son. I really love my son. I had a great relationship with him. Played a lot of sports and basketball. And we just hung out, you know, like a dad's son, uh, sons do. I miss him to this to this very day. So I went from a, a business, uh, solid business that I had in a great company to uh, one my life was thrown upside down. Our whole family missed our son. Our community missed our son. Uh, everybody missed our son. I decided at that point in time that I needed to make a change in my life and maybe I could help some young uh, leaders coming along the same path my son was on and maybe help them out. Maybe I could educate them. Maybe I could uh, transfer some of the knowledge that I knew to them. There was a start of my safe work, a not-for-profit organization that connects and protects the next generation of young leaders. Well, that's uh, I, I can only imagine. I'm a recent recent dad as well. My my son's only 18 months, so yeah. I can't even put myself in your shoes at, at this point. But seeming like you you started my safe work, and you know me being in the construction industry as well on the construction side, you know you see so many as they say close calls, and it's a whoo, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. And it's a, and it's a constant battle back and forth. But but it seems like my safe work. It's kind of opened your eyes, not just to the safety of things as well, because 
You've done a lot of speaking engagements. How has that endeavor that you're not for profit, how has that kind of evolved with the time and opened your eyes to other things to help people that maybe your son, you know, your son was in that position, but help them advance in their careers while keeping in mind a bunch of other things as well? Yeah. You know, I, at first I thought I'd maybe go out and, and see if I could change the world in two weeks, uh, <laughs> which, uh, which are really, uh, really crazy on my part. But, uh, you know, I really, uh, I, I mean, I'd grown up in the business side, making money was the first priority. So uh, I thought, well, maybe I'll help out some young leaders and uh, maybe I'll go and speak for a couple of weeks. Uh, I, I started off my own son's high school and spoke to 1,500 students. They actually chased me to the car, asking me questions about what does a really great company look like? What are great leaders look like? What are our, really our, our rights? Do I really have the right to say no to unsafe work? Do I really have any rights as a 17 or 18 or 19 year old student to really to put up my hand and ask uh, ask questions? I didn't think there would be any interest uh, from students in safety at all. I'd be really honest. I, I thought safety was a kind of one of those things that the government had put out and all businesses kind of had to comply with it or just meet standard, basic standards. So I was quite taken back by uh, the students and their interests. When I actually got home from my son's high school, colleges, universities started calling. I realized then and there it was a huge, huge gap of knowledge that we as parents send our kids out to work and we really don't give them or we don't equip them with the right knowledge, uh, what questions to ask, what to look for, who should you be connected with as, as a leader is concerned. What I started to do was bring um, uh, leaders with me. Each time uh, I went out to speak to a thousand students, I brought 50 leaders from different uh, industry sectors with me. It really uh, opened up my eyes uh, to see who are the really good present day leaders and who are not. And the students would ask them challenging questions such as if you own a construction business, what's the balance between investing in safety versus investing in marketing or investing in productivity? How do you balance those those two off? And that's the same questions that our leaders in around the world today are they're asking themselves. We're always asking ourselves yeah, that yeah. all the time. Yeah, right? should I spend so, money yeah. on safety or should I spend money on marketing and productivity? And in the construction field, that it's a huge, huge issue. And trying to attract young men and women back into our, our roles in, uh, in the construction industry, we need to get this right. I have found in working with uh, some of the best leaders in the construction field across North America that there is more than just uh, investing in safety and there's more than just investing in productivity. It's the underlying qualities underneath those questions that we really want to kind of get to. And let's see if we can get to those uh, today because those are the kinds of things that I think young people really want to hear about. Yeah, you know, I, I think I agree with you. I mean, we've spoken before, but you know, my experience growing up, I was born in India, raised in the Middle East. I've been been here in Canada since since the mid 90s. It was kind of hammered in, in our brains that degrees with a doctor or an engineer or yeah. in my case, priest, because yeah, you know, yeah. Catholic, you know, those those were kind of the ways to have a successful career. Right? And they still are. Uh, and and they still are, and they still are. But I mean, I think with the with, with the changing times and and the need for infrastructure development, or not not even just in construction, just in in all facets. I think the opportunities are pretty endless as to the youth or even somebody who wants to refocus their career, what they can kind of accomplish if that's what they want to do. 
I was just wondering from your perspective back then, you know, you were at the, that really small firm back then, Deloitte. Did you find that there was a difference in a mindset as to what a blue collar uh, career was as opposed to, you know, in that kind of consulting account, you know, that, that like was oh, there yeah. a tangible difference back then compared to now you find? Maybe I could I could just relay this in a story. I was sitting beside a CEO of a large construction association. He leaned over to me and he said, you know, Rob, he said, I, I just need your help. I said, okay, so what? what is it? He said, well, I've been incredibly successful. As you can see, I've been, I've golfed more than 70 times uh, this year. I look at my good tan and I looked at him. He said, yeah, I said, you know, you are obviously successful on the golf tournament, but he said, the, the real problem is my son. I got a 24-year-old son, and I just want him to follow my, into my footsteps. But he doesn't want anything to do with following my footsteps. I just cannot believe it. Look at all the money he is going to make by joining me in such a successful uh, operation. I said to him, you know, today, young leaders, if they're really bright, whether they're in the trades or whether they're in, in leadership roles, they have options. I can tell you right now that if you're just waving a dollar bill in front of his face, that's not good enough. It might have been good enough 20 years ago, but today, young people, if they are bright and you're just waving a dollar bill in front of them, they'll say to you, that's not me. I can make a dollar anywhere. I can make a dollar uh, driving an Uber today and I, I have all kinds of freedom. But I think today uh, that young people are driven by a desire to want to kind of change the world. They're challenged on a different in different areas. So yes, money is important because they'll pay bills, but it's purpose-driven that really uh, young people today uh, are really attracted to. So I said to the CEO, uh, you know, maybe someday we, we can talk about some of the issues that are underlying why your son should really join you in the construction industry. I personally think the construction industry is a fantastic career for young people to consider, both blue collar and white collar. I think it's a great career, but I think also that young people are looking beyond just the money factor. I think that they're looking at wanting to get connected with companies that really look after them, that offer them a lot more than just uh, the money factor. You know, if you're you're into sports or anything of that sort, you can look at some of the pro athletes. Well, like, for example, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard could have joined any organization in the world, and the money was not an issue because he could get the same amount from everybody. Except Toronto. <laughs> but it goes to your point, right? Yeah. He chose to go back home because... Because family was a really big issue to him. If family is a really big issue to him, I think family is a really big issue to young workers as well. And, and that's the one thing we've done is in the last three or four years, we've gone out and just surveyed. Uh, we actually interviewed 250,000 uh, young employees and graduates coming out of uh, universities and colleges. We've given them uh, 10 options to kind of look at. What are some of the most important things that are really driving you to look at joining a really good company? I'll tell you the top three or four. It's very really interesting study. But the top one was family. Young people want to get connected to companies that really offer them amazing opportunities to develop relationships. Yeah, they want a sense of belonging. Yeah, right? exactly. The purpose for them being there, they're not just a cog in the wheel. Exactly. They, they want to be part of a family uh, that they can develop friendships. They can, they can feel like there's trust, there's caring, and they've got, somebody's got their back. And uh, so we've gone back to the uh, CEOs and presidents and said, how's your culture for family? And they said, well, what do you mean? So I'll explain it to them. And I said, well, we haven't really considered that's pretty soft. So hold, hold on a minute. We just interviewed 250,000 young people. And that's one of the first priorities they're looking for. 
So do you have that in place? Well, yeah, no, but we're, we're offering really good money here, incredible money. I said, well, hold on, that that's not going to hold anybody. So we, we need to dig a little bit deeper. And I think the construction industry is a fantastic family. And I can tell you some of the great companies in the construction industry I've talked to, oh, man, you, you could not take anybody away from that, uh, from companies that have that, that aspect to them. Uh, right in your own hometown, uh, there's a construction company. I talked to them. And one guy said, I'm not leaving this place because I've been here 23 years. And I said, well, what's tying you to it? And he said, family. I said, so describe that. And he said, well, man, you've never been on our fishing trip before. And I said, what are you talking about, fishing trip? I, I, what's that got to do with family? He said, everything. Every year we go on a fishing trip. The company doesn't pay for it. Employees pay for it. And we have the greatest time. We all look forward to it. The women all go to a, on a fantastic spa or they can come on the fishing trip. We don't catch any fish. But we have a fantastic time together. I think, actually, I don't think I, I know, being a business owner as well, when you talk family, when you talk belonging, that is not a quantifiable measure yeah. of something. And being in construction, everything is quantifiable. Everything right. is measurement. So everything has like this reaction, whereas... You know, when it comes to belonging a family, it's inclusivity. It's how do you talk to people, how you deal with them. And yes, people come and go, but I find that people always, I, I still have fond memories of my first work experience when I first got into construction, when I didn't even think construction was, actually, I never even thought I would ever be in construction. It was not even a thought, <laughs> even high school, to be perfectly yeah, honest. Sure. I went to University of Waterloo for engineering, civil engineering. We had to do co-op. You know, I worked for consultants, the municipalities, cities, and then I worked with a construction company. And it was pretty fantastic. You know, it was Bird Construction. They're one of the bigger ones. Yeah, I know them very well. Yeah. You know, and I started down as an assistant estimator, reading drawings and counting doors. That's how I started. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, you know, I, I got to go to a job site and I was like, nice, I'm not just stuck in the office. And then just getting that sense of camaraderie that you can have, even not in an office environment, but now you're on a project site with electricians, drywallers, tilers, HVAC, like so many different walks of life and different people. And there's this camaraderie towards a shared goal. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. In addition to being in the office and doing some of the research paperwork, that, that that's what I ended up liking. Now owning my own business, I've tried to promote the culture as I would call it, I would say culture. Of yeah, a company. that's right, for sure. And it, it is actually very challenging to do that. Right? It is. Because companies by extension, when you're a smaller company, they are an extension of who you are as a person. And just like with your friendships and your family, you're always going to get into trouble. <laughs> that's and right. Into arguments, right? Well, there's no so, perfect, perfect family either. There's that's no perfect right. family, yeah. That's right. So I think that's where I, I would tell you, like, that's why it's, it, it's a harder thing to overhaul completely because – you literally have to strip down an entire company. It's not you build. It's not like I'm building it up to this. It's you have to start somewhere and see what's working, see what's engaging your team. Yeah, you know, I I think you're right. I think uh, uh, it's like building building anything that's lasting. Well, it you have to just take one day at a time. And I'll give you an example. Um, one of the options that we put up on the board for young leaders to look at is communication. And we said, well, okay, so tell us about why you want to be connected with a really good company that really communicates well. And they said, well, usually the answer is we're never going to get rid of texts and we're never going to get rid of emails. That's here to stay. We're always going to get those. But some companies think that the more texts and more emails they send to employees is really engaging. 
And what we're finding from young uh, leaders is that they want more face-to-face discussions. They want more eyeball-to-eyeball discussions, which is really weird for adults who are in our audience because they're thinking, oh, man, I can't even engage with my own kids at home face-to-face, so I got to send them texts. But that's the opposite of what we're finding in the field is that really good companies that have really good culture, they got communication back and forth, eyeball-to-all. They know your name, you know my name. And just that one word can make a big, big difference from a boss. Yeah, and I think it's also the tones in which you communicate. Absolutely. How you encourage. Because emails and texts can be very easily misconstrued at times. So yeah. We've all been there before. We get yeah, a text. Yeah, exactly. Like, what, is, what is this person actually <laughs> doing, right? Yeah. But going back, you've mentioned that you've talked to quite a few students over the young young leaders, as you put yeah, it, yeah, yeah. really want to move. What do you find some of their hangups you could say is oh are there any hangups with them wanting to get into the construction industry i think the hangups uh, for young workers getting in the construction industry is they want to see more visible leaders i think it's a, it's amazing that to see that you have industry leaders from microsoft and google and uh, all the major it players uh, come up to the university of waterloo for example and they start recruiting and they make themselves very, very visible. In the construction industry, not so much. We're, we're okay at going to a few trade shows here and there, but we're, we're really good at talking to each other, but maybe, maybe, not, maybe not so good at talking outside of the circle. Uh, uh, we're really good at patting each other on the back, but maybe not so good at receiving any kind of innovative ideas coming into the industry from the outside. I think if I think that we all live in a very competitive world, and if you consider that young leaders are, are free agents, options are available to any uh, young free agent. They can go anywhere they want. So if that's the case, and you're only talking to your industry leaders, how are you going to change that way of attracting the best young blue-collar graduates or white-collar graduates to your industry? How are you going to do that if you're just sitting in your office? Posting on LinkedIn, posting wherever else, and exactly. not really going out and, and doing that engagement. Yeah. But do you feel that the, I guess you could call it the lack of certifications? Because, you know, in, in construction, there's only, when you look at all the different subtrades in fields, you know, electricians have their certification, plumbers, HVAC. But I mean, aside from that, there's no, for a drywaller, for a tiler, there's no certification. So is it to do with a status thing, you think? Or do you find that's, that could be mainly from immigrant families that are here looking to build a life. What are your thoughts? Well, I think the certification thing is, is really important. I think especially for a workforce that is very mobile. One of the things that we're finding is that young people want to move. They want the experience of working. For example, uh, uh, they want the experience of working in the United States versus Canada and vice versa. I the, if we had certification, standardized certification program across the board for all trades, that would be a very, very attractive to bring in young leaders to our, to our business. So that's a very good move to make. Engineers can move. You can move anywhere. But the young trades uh, sometimes cannot. And uh, so I, I think we're moving towards that direction, which is very exciting. I completely agree with the, with what you're saying. It's something that I've struggled with, too, because, you know, when you hire somebody in the trades, you're always like, OK, unless I try him out, I don't even know if he's got a base level of skill. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I did a speech at, well, not speech, but a talk at Lambton College. Right. And, you know, there were a lot of immigrant students there, you know, younger and older, too. Uh, that, that were looking to either transfer their skills from abroad or 
get into the construction industry. And I found it fascinating. It was one of the first talks that I did. And literally, it was about career and construction. You know, there are so many different facets. And I was mainly talking from my experience, which is general contracting. Yeah, which is great. Which is, you know, and, really and good. the three, the estimating, the site management or the project management and, yeah. and how you can build. But one of the questions that always, always kind of came up was, okay, where can we go with this? Because I, I also find that the younger generation or the younger people, they don't want to know that their ceiling is capped. No, that's true. Right? They want to expand. They want to always learn and always build. Yeah, that's right. Um, and that's why... I feel, and, and I'm curious about your thoughts, the way technology is moving these days and the incorporation of, of, of all of these management softwares and this, I, I think that that cultural, you know, I guess you could say divide, maybe isn't quite there as much anymore. Plus the younger generation, they're so much better at using these new skills. Systems. Yeah, computer systems, tablets, whatever you want to call it. Do you feel that that could be bridging the gap as well as we introduce more technology into our industry because we're pretty slow to adapt to that. That's been one of the recurring themes that keeps coming up with everyone I've been talking to. I personally feel that uh, technology is certainly um, a bridge gapper uh, to the generations. But what I find in really, really good companies is that they transfer knowledge, technical knowledge, very quickly and very easily from one generation to the next generation or one leader to the next leader. They have programs in place. For, uh, For example, the uh, fastest growing industry in North America is coaching. But what we at when we when we go out and we ask young leaders, are you getting coached? They'll always say they'll always reply, Well, not really. But I do have a yeah, I have a couple of coaches and they're not bad. And when I have any problems, I, I'm able to go in. When I ask them if their CEO and president has a coach, and they'll say, Oh yeah, they have a coach, and they're on a scheduled basis time basis of getting some personal coaching. And I said, well, okay, let, why don't, can we turn that around and can we develop leadership skills by offering personal coaching? For example, 10 minutes uh, every once every week, they get together over lunch. Would that be um, something you would like? And it absolutely is. And we're finding that great, great companies have said, okay, we recognize professional um, teams, sports, all have 10, 12 coaches, not just a few coaches behind the bench, but they have mental coaches, they have physical coaches, they have spiritual coaches, they have every kind of coach uh, that you you can think of. And that's why great teams really, really excel. Let's let's consider that for the, the uh, construction industry. Maybe we can have the existing leadership become, after a little bit of training, become really good coaches for our young leaders. And what we found is that the really good companies have done that. They're able to keep their young employees really engaged a lot longer, a lot better. That's what creates your your new culture. That's transferring leadership skills to the next generation and is really, really effective and not expensive to put in place. I mean, that kind of touched a nerve for me, I won't lie. It's fascinating because I have a coach now. It's there not a go. one-on-one coach. It's a, you know, it's it's a company, you know, yeah. Toronto and a bunch of other entrepreneurs there that, you know, helps me focus, helps me think. Yeah. But as you're talking, I, I'm trying to think my coaches were really, or what I call my mentors, were people that I directly met while working at different stops and formed a relationship with. Yeah. And they wanted to do that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Right. Yeah. But I never actually 
actively sought out the coaches. Right. Yeah. But that that I mean that I guess that that's why they say mentors would be a pretty fantastic thing for, for anybody, right? Yeah. But but you're right. I think I think having a or I feel having a coach right throughout, you know, even at the start, because there's so many questions you have when you start. Exactly. Right, you, you know, you graduate college or university and you're like, you know, you get a job and after a year you're like, what did I do? <laughs> you know, and, and these are yeah. just the growing pains of learning and 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 struggling. You know, sure, just absolutely to find finding your place, right? Sorry, you were going to say no, something? No, no, I, I think oh. it's great. Yeah, no, keep firing. I need young leaders like you right, to be able to influence both present-day leaders and the next generation. I think that uh, you have tremendous uh, potential and opportunity to really change the industry that you're in right now. So you're, you're going to be one of the young champions that everybody's going to be uh, looking to. You know what? I, I hope so. I think that's why I started to, you know, just ask people if they want or colleges if if I could speak because I realized much later in my career that I actually had a consider, considerable amount of help. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> and, sure. You know what I mean? Uh, like throughout 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 the process, and I didn't realize that until much later in my career, shall we say? But I know we've been talking about all of this, but do you think that there are some? opportunities for people to get into construction like i've listed a couple but from your experience and you know you said you bring the 50 leaders and what do you think some of the opportunities a young person could actually learn by joining the construction industry i think the doors are wide open i think uh, the construction industry is really really open to receiving more help they they need to attract uh, young leaders who will bring innovative ideas. That's very cool about it. I, I'm, I'm really excited about, I, I think if today, if the young graduates uh, come from colleges and universities, and they choose their number one choice uh, is the construction industry. I think that they'll have a tremendous impact on the industry. I do think that great leaders in the construction industry are wide open to innovative ideas, bringing new technology, bringing new purpose uh, to their companies. Um, you see more and more construction industries reaching out to their own communities, uh, helping build houses, helping uh, people who are less fortunate than they are. And that really gives purpose to uh, to the young leaders uh, today uh, who are, are looking for uh, develop great careers, but they also want to change their communities. They want to drive a better world. And I, and I, I think that's what that's will happen. I, I personally have seen in the last uh, 10 years uh, more construction leaders say, I want to be part of this. I want to be part of a movement uh, that uh, is going to really have impact on young leaders' lives. It's more than just money. It's transferring leadership skills to the next generation that will make everybody so much better and the world will be a better place. Yeah, I think you mentioned, you touched on it earlier with people coming from the IT world and, and being so much more out there. So, you know, having other leaders in construction and putting themselves out there, I think uh, that would definitely help promote the cause because when we see those people and they're fairly young, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, you know what? I could get to that status with that money as well quicker if I get into the tech field. But what most I, I feel don't realize is it's like a band, right? Mm -hmm. It could be touring in in, yeah, in, yeah. in dive bars for 10 years yeah. <laughs> and then they make it big and you're like, oh, I've never heard of these guys. It's a overnight sensation <laughs> kind of thing. But the one thing that I find is that in our industry, especially, you know, the money does come. And the, the, the funny part is it actually comes 
exponentially quicker than most other industries. Yeah. When when companies find somebody who belongs, right, and and proves themselves, they shoot up pretty quick in responsibilities, in salary, in pretty much everything in a to do with growth of a company. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's talk about money for for a minute. I think the construction industry is a fantastic way to, uh, to earn a living. I mean, you, you're going to if you are good and you really want and you have the uh, energy level and you have discipline and you're ready to learn the, the industry. It is a fantastic industry to be in. You're going to be surrounded by really good leaders, and if you can, if you're teachable. Wow, watch out! Because over the next ten years, uh, you're you're going to be a commodity that everybody's going to want, and you're going to be really valuable to your to your own organization. So, yeah, the the potential is absolutely huge, absolutely huge. So, but I need I need you to tell people my uh, two hundred fifty thousand or half a million people. I need you to tell people. I need you to be an ambassador for the construction industry and uh, really let people know that this is a great industry. Mm-hmm. And that you're and happy. And it's not just limited to working in like as a managerial role as well. People don't realize the the lack of trades out there, the skilled trades out yeah, there. Yeah, you're right. Right. You know, I I spoke to a gentleman named Sean from San Francisco who started a not-for-profit yep. teaching high school kids trade skills. Yeah. Because he has kids and he's just like, you know, society tells us we have to do X, Y, Z. But you can have a good career, a good living, and even go beyond that if you wanted to with trade skills. It's not that it's it's a low-paying job or low-stature job. Like It's a vitally needed skill set in, in our industry as well. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you that a lot of construction leaders uh, have approached me and said, listen, Rob, yeah, we, we know that you're talking to our sons and daughters and you know, their friends and lots of other people uh, across North America. Could you just put a plug in to, uh, to become a, a blue collar uh, worker in the construction <laughs> industry? Yeah. I say, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that. By the way, uh, where, where do your kids go to school? Oh, well, no, well, they, they, uh, they go to university of Waterloo. They go to university of, uh, I said, well, hold on a minute. You want me to tell, their friends to become blue collar workers and yet your own kids are going to be managers and and white collar workers but you there's a gap here why do you want other people to work in the blue collars and you, you your kids don't you're pushing your kids in, in another direction well bottom line is they don't want their kids hands to get dirty ah mm. uh, okay all right so i now have to win over parents and I have to win over uh, students to the construction industry. And if I could only wave a dollar bill in front of their face, both the parents and the and the uh, students, not going to happen, my friend. Just not going to happen. We got to say that this this is a fantastic industry because you're going to be happy in this industry because you're going to join a family. You're going to have amazing communication. You're going to have personal coaching. You're going to have everything that you you really wanted to do and then you're going to excel and you're going to make some money too yeah you know for me the lore for construction was actually it's taught me a lot of life lessons as well right you you have to work in teams you, you can't cool i mean you do Which have the great. you know the one-offs but you know by and large you are working in teams you are working and different people every time so you know it's how do you deal with 
different people because different people react differently to different situations. Some people, I like to say, some people like like to be yelled at to get motivated. Some people <laughs> want a pep talk. Some That's people, fine. Yeah. some people just want to seem like they're on your team. You know what I mean? That they absolutely, and, and that teaches a lot of life lessons. You know, then also take that back. Now you also have to figure it out yourself as well and your thought process and putting everything together and how do you keep your mind calm and so there are a lot of life lessons as well within the construction industry that you can really take back and and apply to your own life totally agree i i think you know we didn't we ever talk about the sense of pride of, of making stuff uh yeah that's really cool i mean some of the stuff that the construction industry has developed and made it is truly amazing and that has impacted the way we live that's right. So uh, I don't think enough people talk about that. Mm -hmm. I, I think we just assuming that maybe because your dad was in the construction industry, you're going to go into it too. And that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. I, I think we need to tell a better story. I think so too. You know, whenever, even to this day, from the very first job I had, if I drive by a building that I was involved in, the, you know, either as an estimator or coordinator or whatever i'm like i built that <laughs> and it's just you know yeah. it's, it's it's pretty fantastic yeah right? yeah it's in and, your and blood I think, <laughs> and i think most people feel that way when yeah. when there's something physical that they see like you said it's that pride you know it's that oh, pride yeah. i mean right? you love it you absolutely yeah. love it yeah i'm not yeah. going to take you out of the construction industry <laughs> at all but I, I come back to you i mean you're a bright yeah. young guy i try <laughs> no you're a bright young guy you're driven your family's obviously was was driven you graduated out of University of Waterloo. You're exactly the guy I'm talking to on a day-to-day -day basis. You got lots of options. Let me, yeah. put, let me put the question back to you. Why, with all the options in the world, graduating from a fantastic school, you got all the smarts, got all the leadership, why would you go into the construction industry? <laughs> I talk about this a lot, actually. So funny enough, when I applied for university, I didn't even apply for civil engineering. We have our list, right? It was actually third on my list. And I really wanted to go to the University of Waterloo, right? Because I love the co-op program. I said, oh, beautiful. I can earn some money. You know, as a kid, you would get <laughs> yeah, spent. Know. You know, I didn't get into mechanical engineering, which is what I wanted. I went into civil and I said, I'll work the first year or two. I'll work really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll switch, right? Sure. And then I did my first co-op work term. Yep. I was out on a residential construction site, out on site. And now this is my first real experience at a construction site in general, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, and at that point, I really liked how people spoke, how we just collaborated together, watching how some of these excavators and grading machines worked. And, yeah. You know, the, the precision in trying to figure out the levels. Like, I just found it fascinating. I said, okay, I'll go back. I'm still working towards mechanical, you know, and then again, the next co-op work term, you know, I worked somewhere else and I was like, hmm. I guess subconsciously that interest was building, but it wasn't until I started working with Bird Construction and I worked there over you know a few work terms that I, I guess you could say, fell in love with the industry. Yeah. And, I, and I can't put my finger on why exactly. Yeah. Looking back, it was probably because I had a nice mix of office and site. You know, I was collaborating. I was. I'm a people person, so I like talking. Yeah. Sometimes the trick is to try to get me to stop, but. I like the conversations. I like problem solving yeah. construction sites just because the drawings are there. It doesn't mean it's going to be right. No. So I just really enjoyed that. And, and I stuck with it, graduated and I worked with a, a small by design. I worked with a small construction company in Woodbridge and I'm truly blessed to have, have been there. 
they gave me so much opportunity to grow. I made mistakes and they, you know, didn't come down hard the first time. The second time they did, if I made this, you know, and it was just, I love the camaraderie. I love talking to so many different people, looking at these 2D drawings with lines on it. And next thing you know, people are using a premises from yeah, these drawings. Right. I just, I just found it fascinating, right? Yeah. I found it, it was something that I just wanted to do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, and that's how I stayed in the industry. And mm-hmm. obviously I grew you know, I didn't have a mentor back then. My mentality growing up, you know, in India and Dubai and, and, and that culture was work hard, work hard, work hard. <laughs> the opportunities will come. Yeah, right? sure. So initially when I started moving up, I was like, it's me, it's me, right? But mm-hmm. now, some 15, 18 years later, yeah. I can honestly look back and say, yes, but also I was also guided. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know through, through that process. Right. Yeah, for sure. I, I love how the fact that I, I love the fact that uh, you've taken the whole principle of working hard. I mean, you were wor- really working hard to get through the University of Waterloo. You worked hard to get through that. And you also took that uh, that principle of working hard right into the workplace. Uh, but you looked like you really gained a lot more by working with really good leaders for, for example, from Bird Construction. Bird Construction really had an impact on your life. And you've almost become uh, an ambassador for bird construction and the construction industry. It's really uh, kind of cool how young people will say, uh, and I often get this, is that they're they're not ashamed. They'll they'll tell you straight up, I work for PCL, I work for Ellis Don, I work for bird construction, and they uh, their leaders are amazing. I gained a huge amount from that. That's the kind of thing that I, I tell young leaders today is that the industry is made up of really good leaders. It does start start at the leadership level and uh, and drives down. But if you can get yourself connected to some really good leaders who will be impact, who will bring impact on your life, wow, you're, the doors will be wide open to you and, and jump in and go for it and learn as much as you can. Be the most teachable person out there. Be a sponge. Like I, I wanted the mentality of I'm just going to be a sponge. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you know, when I progress, and at that point, owning my own business was not a a thought because my parents owned their own business. Yeah. And I was like, I'll never do that. I'll never. And and lo and behold, here's where I am. But you know, then you're able to shed some of the stuff that with experience, like you know what, I work better in this context, and yeah. I work better in, in in that context, right? For me, though, I feel newcomers into the industry i think i feel like they also have to be open to the possibilities and and by that i mean don't have an exact vision of where you want to go because that's limiting yourself yeah that's right i found even for me like i wanted to do something completely like in construction i wanted to be somewhere else and then as i went through the process i realized i'm just naturally inclined and naturally better at doing certain things for sure. Oh, yeah. so I started focusing more on that side yeah. and it led me down the path of opening my own business too. Whereas other people are more inclined to, like, I would never tell you that I could be a finished carpenter. I could, don't get me wrong. I could get it probably pretty close to them, but guess what? One table might take me two months and I'll take them two days. <laughs> That's the difference between the two, right? <laughs> right? So, so yeah, no, I, I think it's, I think it's fascinating. I think it's, it's an, it's an industry that will actually, I don't feel it would ever really die out. Even with the people talking about 3d printers and autonomous stuff, 
I mean, the size of those things that you would have to have are just astronomical. So I feel it's it, it's going to be here for for a long time. But where do you see you know this kind of career trajectory and construction going over the next over the next five ten years maybe? Well, I, I, no, I'm excited about it uh, because of exactly because of you. Young leaders like you were, are going to come into the industry and uh, they're going to change it. And it's going to be uh, much more attractive to uh, to join a team that you're building than it was maybe in the past uh, when people were just waving dollar bills. I, I, you mentioned the word vision. I really love that. And I do a little bit of coaching uh, for executives. And I, first of all, I start with uh, what is your vision? your personal vision. And how is that different from the, the vision of, of the company? Um, if I were to go down uh, to your company today and, and interview four people from different parts of the organization, would they be able to describe to me what the vision of the company is? Because we, we spend a great deal of time as executives and leaders uh, making our vision and making it very clear and and, and so on and so on. But when I ask people who work for them what the vision is, they have no idea. Yeah, absolutely no idea. It is quite interesting when you do get a leader that continually puts a vision before his people that the individuals uh, in their organization actually have very similar visions, personal visions, as the company does. And that's what makes a great match. And that's what you're going to bring uh, to uh, the uh, construction industry. I'm excited about that because I know that you'll connect with people. Mm. You're good at that. You're, you're really good at, at connecting with people, making them feel like they're part of a team, making them feel special. And at the same time, challenging them, challenging mm -hmm. each one to get to the next uh, level of excellence, making mm -hmm. sure that everybody works hard. They got lots of discipline. But at the end of the day, you can all celebrate and have uh, pride in the work that you've done. I mean, who wouldn't want to join your team? Well, you know, Come on, <laughs> you know what you <laughs> put it this way. Uh, you know, you're saying it. Uh, you're being too kind. You know, <laughs> but like I said, I, I've made mistakes. You know, I've I've had when I first started. It's been seven years now. It's it, I was like, nope. You know what? This is what I have to do. This is how I have to do it. And anybody coming on, these are the steps. And 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 yeah. you know, with time, I've realized actually, it's my wife who's reminding me <laughs> that I won't. I, I said that really low. But, uh, you know, she, you know, she said, "What if you had to do everything somebody else's way all the time? How happy would you be?" I'm paraphrasing. I like but, it. I like it. But you know, and and that kind of. I don't know, something changed a couple of years ago for me. And I, and I said, you know what? No, you know what? I, I switched from trying to be a business owner to more being a a steward, like a... a yeah, yeah. As, yeah, I, I yeah, yeah. Leader, I know what you're saying. You know, just just guide, guiding the company forward and Absolutely. say, you know what? You know what? The only non-negotiables will be like the principles yeah. around the company, the code of ethics, you know, yeah. like, yeah. you know, I, I realized like for me, it's like, you know, be clear, Yeah. always collaborate. And make sure this craftsmanship. Like I call it my three C's, right? Yeah. And and you know we're not here to lie to anybody. We're not here to pull the rug under from anybody. Mm -hmm. The open you are at the start, the easier the project's gonna be. That's true. <laughs> plain That's and true. simple. Plain, no, no, plain and absolutely. simple. Right. So, so I started changing my mentality in in how I'm dealing with my team members as well. Mm -hmm. You know, some of them are immigrants, so I find that they're also a little shy initially for sure uh, but you but man you should see the growth in a year <laughs> you know after one year you know you just hear them on the phone and they're just 
and it's and, and, and you know it's a joy to see. You well, know, there's a, a confidence level that you're you're instilling into them, and uh, and I think that that's the that's the growth part of it that, that you love when they can take on more responsibilities and feel like you know if they make a mistake they're not ashamed, mm-hmm. um, and that they don't hide it. They yeah. bring it forward. They're part of a team. And that's the cool thing about it. I mean, developing a team, you're, uh, you're really uh, developing the skill sets of everybody. Um, you have a, a solid uh, working arrangement mm-hmm. that everybody loves. Who wouldn't want to work for that? Well, yeah. I, you know, for me, the best, biggest advice I can give to anyone who's younger or older who wants to start their businesses, and I, and I still have my, my stumbles here and there, of course. Yeah. But, is is don't be rigid <laughs> for lack of a better term yeah, you know yeah like you said make the time to actually sit in front of them and talk to them and it's not just an email but yeah. make the time to sit in front of them and almost confine in them and say hey you're doing fantastic here this i don't feel is going so well what are you struggling you know like Basically, coaching. No, right? like, and like that's said, what it is. Going through that process, I never did that when I started, and and I think that that limited me initially. Yeah, and you know, obviously, with COVID and everything going on now, it's everything is a little bit weird. But you know, that's something I personally want to continue continue doing because I find I feel better too because now I'm not jumping to assumptions. <laughs> I love the physical aspect of it. Uh, I think maybe 20 years ago, we uh, we did a lot of management by intimidation. So you get three inches away from the guy's front tooth and you'd uh, bring your fist up and say, listen, you've done it wrong and that's not going to happen ever again. Today, I, I, um, I tell leaders, if you really want to uh, teach somebody and really want to kind of get in their grill, come alongside of them, shoulder to shoulder and say, let's, let's, I'll tell you what, let's just walk a little bit together and uh, maybe I can help you out and show you a little, a different way of doing this. We just need to get it done in a better way and do it together as a team. And I find that that kind of relationship building and that kind of teaching, it goes a lot longer uh, and will get, there's not as much intimidation to it. And it's being received a lot quicker by young leaders. Interesting. So I have another question for you to go by, but basically (laughs) You know, all the time you're talking, you said, you know, more and more people are talking about this inclusivity of the family and the sense of belonging. How has it changed over, you know, you could, I guess you could say the 2000s until now. Has it changed or fundamentally, like, have we always been looking for that kind of inclusivity? Yeah, I think all of us have, but I don't, I don't think that we have really developed the, those kind of skill sets. We've not included that. For some reason, I don't know why. Uh, we're just so okay with uh, with professional teams. The, the teams that I, I observe that I win every single year, whether it's in football or soccer or whatever, whatever uh, sport you choose, hockey, doesn't matter. Teams that have consecutive momentum every year have amazing teams. Mm-hmm. Amazing cohesion in their in their team, and they really like each other. And it's not perfect. You know, there's always uh, going to be somebody on that team that kind of pushes one way or the other, and, and and that's okay. But there is a real focus in accomplishing something, and I, I think the same thing goes in the construction industry. The teams that consistently win year after year after year, wow, they got amazing cohesion. They want to stay together. They're, if you look at their turnover rate, it's very small, and they love it. Is it perfect? No. But will it get better? Yes, it will. I, I remember uh, uh, working with the um, CEO of Elliston, and he said, you know, uh, these uh, safety celebrations are really, really good. And we were speaking at the Toronto airport at the time. 
And he said, but we're not perfect. And tomorrow's going to be a new day. So we need to drive. Everybody needs to drive to that next level of excellence. Everybody, including me. The buy-in that people were getting from uh, throughout a very large billion-dollar organization is quite quite amazing. And he's the kind of guy that um, got to shake. He shook everybody's hand. He got to know everybody. And, and that makes a huge difference. Uh, young people looking for that touch. Maybe not in COVID, but. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> what? well, you know, I but I I think now everyone is is looking for that even more so. Probably so. Probably right? so. Just because they've, yeah. they've, they've realized how much they've actually missed it. Who knows? Maybe yeah. it might be more. Yeah. An important aspect that they're looking for too, right? That uh, that the camaraderie, right? That that we all that we all are looking for. We at, are especially at this. Point. We are absolutely. We sure are, and and that's fantastic when you get it. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I completely. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic, Rob. I'm I'm loving it. But so so, tell me a little bit more about what you're working on now. Obviously, things might be a little bit on pause, but you know, with technology and stuff, I'm sure you're still pushing ahead with your meetings and your. Well, to be to be really honest, we're uh, really uh, uh, we developed a, um, an online uh, courageous broadcast, um, which we just completed at the end of uh, April. This year went to 900 locations on one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoke to over 200,000 people on one day across Canada, United States, Mexico, India, Australia, Europe. We're in a high level of engagement. Uh, we've been really fortunate because we uh, we went to start doing online programs about three or four years ago, and uh, really the momentum has really started building. So now we're getting um, engineering faculties mm-hmm. calling us uh, from all universities across Canada, and the United States. All the colleges uh, are now engaged in it, and. Uh, now newcomers are engaged in it uh, too as well. So we just think that the potential there is absolutely huge. But I, I don't want to be just uh, happy with that. I I, uh, I want to um, uh, see if we can get connected to families. We know that uh, we recognize that when newcomers come, maybe they don't have a uh, handle on on the language. So maybe we can be able to to connect with younger leaders uh, in high schools and and colleges. They can go home and and transfer that knowledge to their moms and dads who are also working here in uh, in North America. I'm really pumped and excited about uh, working and learning from uh, young leaders uh, like yourself today. I, I gained a huge amount of information from you. I will I, like I, I will invite you to come out and speak to a thousand students with us. And Not we're going to highlight, highlight you and your industry that you work in. Because you obviously are excited about it. And you're going to be a tremendous leader for us in years to come. You are right now, but uh, we're excited um, about that, man. <laughs> well, you know, I, I really appreciate it. I know, I, you know, I wanted you on to talk about safety and it moved to careers. And and now we've been talking so much about me as well. But, you know, it's it's all interesting dialogue. I I, I, I I really enjoy that, right? Now, yeah. you mentioned the, some of the things that have been broadcast everywhere. Like, where can people find out more information about, you know, some of those things that, you're, sure. that you are doing and continue doing? Yeah, uh, they can simply go to mysafework.com slash courageous and you can get right on the courageous broadcast. There's no cost to it. We just uh, ask that you register and you uh, take pledge to make the world a better place. So we're hoping people will um, increase the vision that they had last week to a big vision of maybe let's impact the world together. So it's exciting. Now, uh, speaking of your website, I was actually really taken in by the taking the pledge yeah. uh, that, that you had. I, I really loved how you spelt that out. Can you, do you mind sharing just, just a little bit about what that is, that taking the pledge stance that 
well, that, that you had? The actual pledge itself, Roland, I think I wrote uh, some of the points down. Uh, we want to make it as personal as possible. Um, we want to be able to make sure that uh, when they're when they're taking a pledge, they want to they they're sharing their knowledge to other people within their own families, their own communities, their own schools, their own workplaces, making it a, a safer place uh, for all of us to work. When in in the time of COVID, it's really really important that we are connected. Taking the pledge means, in fact, making your circle safer but also having a bigger vision of, of making the world safer too. So it's looking after your brothers and sisters, having their back, caring for them, and uh, taking the pledge of, as a family would take a pledge uh, to protect and, and keep uh, your brother and sister uh, safer and help them along the way. Fantastic, fantastic. Like I said, I, I was really drawn to it on there. Yeah. And I love and I love how you kind of, you know, not spun it, but like, you know, uh, evolved it. Now yeah. with COVID and how we can make it more of a, of a worldwide thing. But, you know, I appreciate your time, Rob. Thank you so much. And whenever you need me, let me know. You know, I, I will be I realized you. That I, you know what? I realized I haven't done my part lately and, and you know, I, I, I want to do more as well. So definitely get a hold of me when, when you can. I, I should will. And I really appreciate uh, just the opportunity to talk to a young, tremendous leader like yourself. You're going to be an influencer uh, for, for many generations to come. So let's stay connected. And I, I will highlight you and your career uh, as much as we can uh, across North America. I appreciate it. Thank you for those kind words. It was <laughs> You're a good man. You're a good man. Thank you so much. Take care. What an interesting conversation that was with Rob. So interesting and fascinating to find out what his experiences are dealing with these young leaders uh, that will be in our next generation. I know we as business owners are always looking to figure out what comes next, how how do we motivate them. Uh, but really, at the end of the day, it sounds like they want to be part of something more. They want to be a value-added service to any company that's looking for them. And if you know somebody that this interests on how to motivate the next generation or what you need to tweak for your business for the next generation please definitely share this episode with them i've gotten so much out of it uh, sometimes that i didn't even realize i was incorporating in my day-to-day -day business uh, but i will definitely be taking those steps moving forward now next week Teja Sindel from carbon craft design joins us to talk about his original concept on thinking about how to solve air pollution and whether it was only a technological challenge. He realized that potentially an architectural intervention could probably help solve this issue. His approach was recycling or upcycling air pollution to create products that we use in our day-to-day -day construction lives. And in this case, the first carbon tile. <laughs>